0: Your name can move mountains wherever I stand. Anybody believe that? All right. Well, I'll be honest. I believe it, but sometimes I don't live like I believe that. Anybody relate to that? I think knowing that and living a life consistent with that can be two separate things, right? And I think... um, As we talk about what we're talking about here just today, I want you to think about this idea of what does it look like to have this kind of life, this kind of faith that actually lives and leans into a reality like that, that your name can move mountains. Wherever I stand. So today we're talking about lost power. We're continuing on in this lost cause uh, series, and as we begin to do that, I'm just wondering uh, where are my DIY people out there, DIYers. Go ahead. It's okay to admit it. All right. Um, it's good. I am a DIY guy, and. Uh, um, for better or for worse, and uh, I'll be honest with you, I've sort of kind of fallen into the DIY guy uh, mentality. It's honestly a mentality for me. It's always been a mentality for me, but I've also kind of uh, fallen into it kind of on the home front, and when you own a home, you start to make some decisions about, okay, is this worth spending money on, or is this worth the risk of me trying it, you know, and uh, you'll, you win some, you lose some. This is how it goes. Like, you know, there's some where I've been like, that was worth the risk. And other times I'm like, well, that was a bad idea, you know. And uh, But you got to do it. You got to kind of feel your way into it. And again, I've kind of fallen into this mentality really out of necessity i'm like well i can't afford to hire the professional for um for this particular project right so i was like i gotta i gotta do it you know we can't the toilet's got to be fixed or this has got to be fixed or this has got to be fixed the other reason i've kind of fallen into the diy guy sort of mode is because um my wife found pinterest and uh that's really, that's the truth, and uh, DIYing all kinds of things. I never thought I would be a DIYing. Also, thanks, just a quick shout out to HGTV for making sure that most of my weekends are tied up, you know. So uh, just joking, but uh, kind of not, you know. But, uh, no, I, I love kind of doing it. I actually love kind of those projects where I get to kind of do it myself and do the DIY thing. Uh, but And there's DIY, and then there's like DIY but why, you know, like DIY, like, why? Like, and sometimes a DIY turns into a di. like, why, and, and these are some examples of that, and so, um, you know, hey, my truck won't fit in the garage, you could park it outside, <laughs> or <laughs> you could just make a big hole in the back, so there you go for that, and uh, then, you know, what about when your wife tells you, like, I want one of those really cool ergonomic stand-up desks, it's good for you, like, stand-up, it's like, Babe, I got you. Like, I, I got you right here. Like, cheapest wood on the planet. And um, I would be, I, I can't tell. There's just maybe a few nails in that. Like, what could go wrong, you know? Um, that's pretty sweet. Uh, DIY. Like, wh- wh- why? Like, like hey, we got this extra baby doll, you know, laying around, you know? S- sweet dreams, kids. <laughs> Sleep tight, you know? Uh, and then I, don't, I just don't even have words. Like, what did this conversation look like? I mean, it's got a roof and everything. Like, let's put an addition on the home. Or, or, I got an idea. Uh, just pull that van around out back. We got, this project's practically done, you know. Home edition in a weekend, you know, so there you go. But um, sometimes DIYs turn into DI, like, like why? Like just don't. And, and by the way, there are things that I'm just going to be honest with you, I don't do DIY. There's a couple categories, and I tell people this, and one of those categories is um, plumbing. Plumbing. Like, I do not do plumbing because the stakes are too high. Like, I, I'm not going to flood my house because I think I should be tinkering around with the water, you know? And so occasionally I'll fix little things underneath, but for the most part, plumbing is too high stakes for me. I sit that one out. It's called a threshold, and you got to know where yours is. Like, my threshold is definitely, like, I get close to plumbing. The other one is uh, electric. Like, I'm, I'm not going to burn my house down. I'm all like Stephen's happy to get electrocuted just to test things out. Like I'm, like and he shares those stories. I am not gonna like grab like live wires to see if they're hot. You know, like if I hear him yelling, I'm like, oh, yep, that's the one. Like that's, you know, flip flip the thing. You know, but that's not me. I'm not gonna. It's just too high stakes. There's some things that are just too high stakes, and uh, so I stay away from them. Well, uh, last week we kicked off this series. We talked about this idea of the lost cause, and really it's kind of this double entendre of you know, god the cause of the lost and Jesus' heart for the lost, God's missional heart, that God will uh, do whatever he can to pursue us, to find us, to have relationship with us. And so we talked last week that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And then we talked about how God invites us to advance that mission, to participate in that mission, to be sent ones that are living out this mission, to taking that cause upon ourselves and saying we're part of that cause. We want to continue to see our lives as uh, an extension of fulfilling The Great Commission to help people become disciples of Jesus, to to meet Jesus. We say around here we want to revolve the world around Jesus one life at a time. That's because we believe that there's nothing more important. There's no cause more important than the cause of Christ, than the lost cause. And so that is part of our heartbeat around here. And it should be, honestly, a cause. And Stephen talked about this last week. He really talked about the why. The why is this so important And uh, really, hopefully, kind of lit a fire underneath us to say, we need to approach this cause with great urgency. And so last week was kind of the why. This week, I'm going to begin into, okay, like, let's say I'm, I'm bought in. I want to participate in this cause. I want to live for this cause. I'll give my life up for this cause. How do we do that? And I think this is where, honestly, a lot of us get stuck. Like, we know we should, but then stepping into the how, we get stuck. And I think, honestly, that's because we often take a DIY mentality into it. Let me just illustrate it this way. When it comes to DIY, you can kind of get in two different categories. You can either be on one side, and we'll call that side paralysis. You just look at that project and you're like, nope. Like, I don't even know where to get started. Like, I'm not even, I don't even know where to start on this. And so we get stuck. We feel just completely overwhelmed by it. On the other side you kind of say, hey, I, I'm in. Like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to, I'm going to give it my best effort. But you go and you kind of, you don't know your own thresholds. You don't know your own ability. And you get in over your head. And we'll call this side exhaustion. And I think that with good intentions and the right heart, we can gravitate to either side. And by the way, we could hear a message like last week and just feel stuck. Like, I know I should be a part of this cause. I know I should share the love of Jesus and the message of Jesus, but like where do I even start? And then on the other hand, and I, some of you cuz if you're a lot, you know, if you're a DIY kind of guy mentality, you sort of overestimate your own ability, you know, and I I can be guilty of this, right? Or you underestimate the stakes, you know? You're like kind of like, yeah, I got it. Like, I got it. And then you just run full speed at it. You're like, this is an important work. I'm going after it. I'm giving it all I have. And eventually you hit this wall called exhaustion because you went about it in a DIY kind of way. Here's what I want to share kind of for both groups as we get started, as we talk about getting kind of lifted off the ground when it comes to... um, you know, taking off into this mission of Jesus, um, the first thing we have to realize is, and this will really be kind of the theme throughout, and we'll talk about what it looks like, I think that we all have to kind of come to grips with the fact that the stakes are too high for DIY. The stakes are too high for DIY. The cause of Christ is not a DIY project. And, and, Something that's always struck me is this moment where Jesus, before he sends his guys out, and by the way, he's preparing these 12 guys that are going to go be his first missionaries, and he's, he's equipping them. He's spending all this time. I mean, really, the, the the main emphasis of his ministry was like pouring into this group of people. He's healing people. He's doing all the miraculous things, but if you really weigh out his time, he's like, he is, he's doing leadership development. Like, he is getting these guys ready to roll, and he's saying, I'm going to hand this off to you. They don't even realize. They're just confused. Like, I'm like, you I know, mean, often you read, and you're like, these guys? Like, you're, you pick these guys. Like, they're They're confused the whole time. They always got more questions. They're like, you know, and and it's like, this is not going to go well, you know. And one of the things that that highlights is, again, it's not dependent on them. But Jesus tells them this. He says, listen, he's preparing to go to the cross, and um, they have no idea. They still think the kingdom is going to come, like, here and now in this moment. Like, they're going to take over the Roman Empire, and, like, it's going to be, you know, sort of this very ever-present, not in the spiritual realm, but in the kind of here and now kind of way um, that, that this is the kingdom that he's talking about. And so they're still confused, but Jesus starts to kind of allude to the fact that he's going away. Like, he's going back to the Father. Like, he's going away, and they're starting to, like, freak out. They're like, you know, Jesus, look at us. Like, we, we need your help. Like, we, you can't just be taken off right now. Like, especially, like, and so he starts to, to talk about this, and at one point he says this. He says, listen, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Like, Hold up a second. What, what do you mean it's to my advantage? We've seen everything you have had the power to do. We are so fulfilled by your presence. Like, what, how is it better if you leave us? And then he says this. He says that it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And that is a really, even for us today, I think, like, how much easier would it be if we just had Jesus, like, in our missional community? Like, just, come on, Jesus. Like, he he could do, like, he'll do this stuff. Like, it's good. But he's saying, my power is going to be made accessible to you in an even more potent, a different kind of a way if I go away than if I stay. And what is he saying? He's saying, I'm not just going to be with you, I'm going to be in you. And that is a powerful thing to wrap our minds around, is that the spirit of the living God actually lives in us. And Jesus says, listen, this is the helper, the one that lives in you. The spirit of God lives in you. And he goes on to say, listen, as I've been sent, so I am sending you. Now receive the spirit. And so what I want to talk to you about today is how do we tap into that? How do we tap into that power? And what does it look like to actually... Live in the fullest potential that we have because we're not doing a DIY. We're depending on the power made accessible to us, the power that lives in us. And even as you're sitting there, it's like, in me too? If you have made a decision to follow Jesus, God gives us his spirit. And so even if you're, like, not in touch with that, it's still in there. It might be we've kind of pushed it down a little bit, told it to keep quiet, you know, like, hey, don't bother me. Like, I'm at school today, you know, like, he's, we'll, we'll talk when we get to church, you know. Maybe this is kind of our, you know, we kind of compartmentalize. But there is the spirit of the living God in us, if we would stop snuffing it out, that wants to allow us to step most fully into his mission. So how do we do that? Well, we see in the book of Acts, and I want to read uh, this section to you today. And by the way, we're going to be, um, as we kind of carry on now in this series, talking about how do we go and live a life of mission? How do we um, fulfill the Great Commission? How do we spread the message of Jesus? How How do we do all of those things? There are some things that sort of precede this for the early church. And so all of these things we see kind of carrying out through the book of Acts. And today we're talking about this lost power, the power that, is, that we are dependent on. And so in Acts 1, it says this. And by the way, the Acts of the Apostles is what this is often referred to. One of my professors says it should have been named the Acts of the Holy Spirit. You really see the, all of the things that are happening, it's not by, through the apostles. Well, it is the apostles. They're the agent, but it's ultimately the Spirit. So maybe it, it could be the acts of the apostles by the power of the Spirit, but regardless, it was not a DIY thing. Acts 1, 1 through 8. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. A lot happening there. But we're talking about the inauguration, really the the beginning of this missionary movement. It began with just a few people that is, that now we are a part of by extension. And so how did this all unfold? Well, here's the first thing. And I think that we need to look at some things here in regards to tapping into this power, the, the power that is often lost, especially when we try to go, go it alone and do the DIY thing. But the first thing, and Jesus really gives some commands here that are really, really important to the mission. They're vital. And the first thing he says is, and you can imagine this. This is probably a hard one for them to swallow because, you know, they're fired up. They've got a resurrected Jesus. They were, they were, they were stuck. They were, they were facing paralysis in the upper room. They were afraid. They were terrified. They thought they were going to die too. And now they see the fulfillment of this, and they see the risen Jesus. And you got to imagine like that. That'll set a little fire under you. Like you know, I got some things to share. I got some things to do. And so they're ready now. They're. And and here's the thing that Jesus says to them. He says, but hey, listen, listen. Here's the first thing, though. Here's the first thing I want you to do. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. What? Wait? wait? You want us to wait now? Like, we're, we're ready to go. We're fired up. Like, we want to share this message, spread this message. He says, no, 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 not yet. First, I want you to wait. And there is an importance to this when it comes to waiting. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you've heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized, you will be immersed with, filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the first task we all have is to wait. But how do we wait? Just kind of kick it and watch some Netflix and sit around and be like, hey, at some point, like, I'm, it's coming, you know, but when it comes, I'm just going kind to of waiting for this moment, right? Well, that's not what we see them do. And by the way, not all waiting is carries equal weight. <laughs> that just popped into my head, but that's that's confusing. <laughs> you got it. I was we were uh, we had an event this week at um, over at the Mason um, High School, and uh, we did this 9/11 event with some stairs and some different things. It was really a cool thing, uh, but. I was coaching in the evening at the 5 o'clock class while our classes were working out. The football field, or the football field, the football team was out on the field. And when we came in, I'm like, the atmosphere was just awesome. Like, I was, like, loving it. We had our group. We were running stairs. When we walked in, um, he over here, he's he's the DJ up in there, and he's playing all kinds of music. And uh, and we're, like, they're, like, rocking out, rocking the house. Like, everybody's fired up, and the players are, like, I mean, it was just an atmosphere. And this is just practice. I'm like, this is wild. And they got this thing on the other end of the field. It's like days to Fairfield. And they got like Fairfield. Like they know that's the task at hand. Like this is the mission. And it's a countdown, like down to the second. Like this is when we take the field against Fairfield. There's like this focus, this singular mission, this. And I'm like, that is preparation. The coaches are out there like just in people's faces like, come on, you know, get it together. And like, you know, they're running drills and all this. Now, like that is, that is, that is one kind of waiting right? Waiting for the game. I mean, it's a preparation, right? What do the coaches not do? They say, hey, guys, we got a game this Friday. Um, We'll just get there about five minutes early. Like, we'll see you. You know, try to be on time. Like, no practice. Like, that would be ridiculous, right? That's not waiting well. And so what does it look like for us to wait well? Because here's the thing that I want to point out. Execution demands preparation. Execution demands preparation. So we don't just wait. We wait well. We wait with intention, As we read further, we're going to see what the disciples did while they waited. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is in Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. They listed all their names. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, son of James. All of these were with one accord, and they were devoting themselves to... They were devoting themselves to... Yeah. No, good. Okay. Good. I heard, I heard you that time. So they were devoting themselves to prayer. I want to make sure we're all on the same page. This because this was their this was their singular task in waiting was to pray. To pray, and sometimes we sort of see that as like the last course of action. Well, nothing else works, so let's try praying, right? We don't say that, but we often approach it in such a way. But this was the thing that if you read throughout, there is just prayer everywhere in the book of Acts. And this is what they did while they prepared. This is what they did while they, when they went out. Prayer is just covering over all that they do. And why is that important? Because we pray while we wait because we know God is working in our waiting. God is working in our waiting. It is a constant and consistent pattern in the early church, a pattern that they undoubtedly learned from Jesus. Remember Stephen talking about this last week, the flow of Jesus? How consistently did Jesus step back and receive? He allowed his source of power to flow from the Father as he poured that out. And so it is important that we wait, that we wait in prayer. Oswald Chambers says it this way. He says, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer is our primary task. The cause of Christ is ignited with worn-out knees. Prayer paves the way. It is powerful and productive, we're told. So let me ask the question, who are you praying for? Who do you care so much about that you're just wearing out your knees praying for them? Maybe through tears at times. Because some of you, you're waiting on somebody. You're like, I know at some point they're going to get it, but I got to, right now, it's my job to just Go charge hell with a squirt gun and just, man, I'm just going to pray, pray, pray. I'm going to do everything I can. First Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people, for all people, for kings and those in authority, that we live peaceful and quiet lives and in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases our Savior, by the way, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So what's our job? Pray. And I could tell you many names that I wrote in my prayer journal. Those same names are now written in heaven and it has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me and I was recounting some of those stories just to be encouraged about how encouraged by how God is moving. One of my friends was a guy that lived up the street from me. We called him Ronnie. He was one of our uh, real close buddies. He actually came to Axis here a few years ago when he was just kind of at a, a, a pivotal kind of crossroads moment. But Ronnie's one of these guys that was just, I don't know why, it was just one of those guys God put specifically on my heart, and I prayed for him a lot. Ronnie is now two and a half years clean and sober, joyfully serving Jesus. I'm telling you, look at this guy, This guy. Three years ago, and you're like, not gonna. It's just not there. It's not. Something happened in his life, and not because of anything I did. I just showed up and and said, God, I'm I'm with you in this. I I pray for him, and he writes me this. He says, I found a relationship with God, and I truly believe that that is why my life has turned around. I'm working in the field helping other addicts recover now. I found my purpose. It feels so good. The power of God made available to us through prayer is productive. It's effective. I think about my friend Kyle, and one time God kind of urged me, he said, okay, I know you've been praying for Kyle, but um, I want you to tell him you're praying for him. I want you to call him right now and ask him how you can pray for him. And I'm like, that conversation could get weird, you know, like, and, uh, but I did it, and I called him, and he goes, hey, just pray that I find what I'm looking for. I can do that. He's found what he's looking for, I can think about my grandfather who's since gone home, but um, my, my, uh, my grandpa Romano was somebody that I had a good relationship with, and um, for whatever reason, God had kind of put him on my heart in a specific way, and we were at this church camp back in middle school, and it was one of these things where like, hey, we're going to give you this track, and just think about some person that God's put on your heart, and share this book with them, go give it to them, and, and pray for them about it, and so I, I didn't really know what I was doing, I loved my grandpa, and I was like, I, I'm going to give him this book. And uh, that opened a lot of doors. It opened a lot of conversations. We had a lot of conversations about, like, real things over the years. And it was interesting because when I went back to go, after he had passed away and we went to go clean out his house, I found that book and it had all kinds of highlights and notes in it. Never would have known that. God is good. He works through our efforts. He works through our prayer. I think about uh, my brother-in-law, uh, Gus, who was just baptized a few weeks ago, somebody that Um, as I pray for all my family, but I specifically for him by name. And I share all that to say, uh, this this had so little to do with me. This is my point. You think you can do nothing. You think you feel paralyzed like you can't get started. Start there. Start praying. Start praying. So who has God placed on your heart? Whose name is in your prayer journal etched on your heart? Because the Bible reminds us On and on, that it's breakthrough. Breakthrough comes through bended knee. So first, we wait for the Spirit. Secondly, we sync up with the Spirit. Acts 1, 6 through 7, they all gathered around Jesus and asked this question. This is like their burning question. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, they still were confused about what this kingdom was going to look like, right? They still didn't quite understand what was happening, and they're kind of like, all right, so, like, what's, what's next? Like, give us the next thing. Like, and, and I love how Jesus responds. He, says, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times and the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Short answer, stay in your lane, bro. That's it. Like, I'll tell you what, um, None of your business. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I honestly, I'm the kind of guy that appreciates a direct answer. Like, just tell me what's, and I think a lot of times one of the reasons we get stuck, we get paralyzed, is because we're worried about all the things that are above our pay grade. Like, well, how's that going to look? How are they going to react to that? How are they going to respond? What, what if it doesn't have the result I want it to have? What if I don't have enough things I can say? All of these things, and God's kind of like, hey, tell you what, you let me worry about all that i worry about the results. i worry about the outcome. You just worry about showing up and sharing this message with the people around you. And also, I love his reply because it demonstrates his own submission to the Father. You notice how he says it? It's not for you to know the times or dates, not that I have set, but that the Father has set by his own authority. Even in that statement, Jesus is taking a position of submission. We would be wise to follow suit because the best way, the best position that we can take, the best posture we can take on as we live out the mission is a position of submission. Releasing our agenda, releasing our expectations, releasing our way. Hold on, wait for the last one. Releasing control. I'm happy to do it, but I like to do it my way. I'm happy to do it, but I like to do it on my timeline. But God's saying, hey, listen, you take the position of submission. I'll be in charge of the details. You just keep showing up day in and day out. It's, it's a daily thing. I love that song we sung where it says, have you asked the question? It's kind of a convicting question. Have you actually, you ever, like, actually, like, think about the words you're singing? Be honest. Sometimes you don't. I mean, we, we all are kind of just singing songs. We're like, wait a minute. Like, there's this lyric that says, have you come to the end of yourself? Because it's when we come to the end of ourselves that we can actually begin. It's this position of submission that actually prepares us and sets us up for the mission. We have to be in alignment with God. Anybody like to dance in here? Where are my dancers at? I'm not going to make anybody dance. I'm not inviting anybody up here. We have very few dancers in our church. Like, first hour, there was like none. They were like, we hate dancing. am like, cool, I'm not inviting you to my dance party then. But there's three kinds of people on the dance floor, all right? Everybody else is like, probably most of you, sitting on the outside, you know, like watching the rest of us. There are three kinds of people. There's those that have rhythm, and they're just killing it. Like, they're tearing up the dance floor. Everybody's around, and they're like clapping, like, yeah, yeah, go, go. And they're like, you know, and, and then there are um, the second category, is those that don't have rhythm, but they don't realize it. <laughs> they're out there, and they're just like, they're going wild, like people are getting hurt, you know, like people are getting slapped in the face, like it's this whole thing, like just, just rein it in a little bit, like I'm getting scared. But there is a third category, and there's the, those who don't have rhythm, but they don't care that they don't have rhythm, and they're just like having a good time. Now, I think probably for a while, I was in category two, where now I'm like, no, I know, I know, I don't, I don't have rhythm, but I'm just going to have a good time, like here, I a good time, Right? I loved watching for a while that show that was like um, Dancing with the Stars. And uh, the truth is, I watched it at first because I didn't have any streaming services, and I just like had the whatever was on the the antenna. And so I'm like, cool, Dancing with the Stars. And so I was like, started watching it. And I actually started to enjoy it, but not because of the professional dancers. I loved it because you have these people in here, the stars, they were like good at things, but they really were not good at dancing. And so they get in there, and you have these professional dancers, and these guys would come in, and they could barely, like, walk into the room without stumbling over themselves, you know? And they're like, all right, we're going to, like, you know, here's our routine, and then, like, it, it was, like... It was so awkward and painful to watch, like, in the first part. And then you would watch. And, like, you see the professional dancer just like, it's okay. Like, we'll work on it again. And they're getting their toes stepped on and, like, falling on the ground. And it's like, you know, like, oh, you have a lot of patience. And uh, But over time, what you end up seeing is as they work with them, they start to kind of get in sync with the professional dancer. Now, most of them aren't, like, like professional dancers themselves now. But you see the improvement as the training continues to take to unfold and and I think about that and I think you know what this is really a lot like what it looks like to live in sync with the spirit because the truth is we get out there and many of us if we have never even gotten out you got to get out there first of all you got to be willing to get out there and at first it's going to feel really awkward and you're going to be crashing into them all the time you know and it's like you know hold on no no like let's Let's take a step back. But over time, the more that you learn, it's really a learned rhythm, a learned art. And I love what Galatians 5.25 says. It says, now since we have chosen to walk with the Spirit, let's keep each step in perfect sync with God's Spirit. And so over and over again, we take a step back, a position of submission, and we start to learn, and we start to see the beauty of this dance that's already going on. Like God's already doing his dance, right? But he invites us into the dance, and it's our job over time to learn how to be in sync with the spirit. And if we want to be effective for the cause of helping people find their way back to God, we must get in sync with the spirit. We must stay in step with the spirit. Because by the way, and this this should be encouraging to you, God is already at work in our friends and family. He's already at work He's already at work. He's already moving in your community, in your neighborhood. His song is already playing in those places. Now, people might not realize it yet, what's going on. But our job is to simply get in sync with that song, that dance that is already playing. But we have to stop dancing to the beat of our own drum. We have to trust him by getting in sync with him. Richard Richard John Niehaus says, it is our determination to be independent by being in control that makes us unavailable to God. That one's tough, but it's true. The last thing we see is this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth the last thing we have to do and continue to do. It's a never-ending thing. It's not like, hey, you got the Spirit, now go, good luck. But it's this constant be filled with the Spirit, living in dependence on the Spirit. The Greek word for that is dunamis, which is is derived from words like dynamite, dynamic. And by the way, Christians who are filled with the Holy Spirit, there's going to be this explosive effect. Paul declared that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. I was helping a buddy of mine, actually Ryan, who um, was in the drum cage today. I was like, hey, I'll come over. They got this property that we're doing a ton of clearing on. I mean, tons of um, honeysuckle, tons of big trees. And I'm like, man, that is like, I'm telling you right now, like, please invite me to come. Because I love just like cranking up a chainsaw and like rip roaring stuff down. Like, I'm like, I can do that all day. Like, and so I was like... I'm like, if you don't invite me, like, we're not friends anymore. No, not really. But basically, I was just like, come on. And so he invited me over, and he's like, okay, cool. Um, I'm like, I'll, I'll bring my stuff. I'll bring my chainsaw. And he's like, okay, cool. I got a saw too. And uh, I get over to his house. I mean, there's tons of stuff to cut down. And I get over there, and he takes out his saw. And uh, I'm like, what's that for? <laughs> and he's like, oh, we're going to cut some stuff down. And I'm like, what, what are we cutting? Are we cutting all this stuff down, like all these trees? Like, he's like, yeah, it says, this thing says, it says on the box that you could cut down 84 three-inch stumps. And I'm like, there ain't no way that is cutting down. I just looked at him. I said, um, I tell you right now, you're going to be buying a chainsaw by the end of today. Like, just mark my words, like, you're going to buy a chainsaw by the end of the day. And so I fired up, like, on, like, my gas-powered chains. I was, like, I'm, like ripping stuff down. He's over there. Like, he'd cut one down, and then he'd be like, oh, shoot, i got to go recharge the battery, you know. <laughs> like, right back, plug it in. And uh, it was, like, over and over again, and by the end. Bottom line is he has a chainsaw now. So that that's really the moral of that story. But how often do we come with kind of these these things in our hands? Like we're like this is this is kind of what I'm charging out there with. And we we come with kind of our limited skills, our limited wisdom, our limited ability, our little bit of charisma and creativity. And we're like, hey God, like let's go. He's like just hand me that, you know, it's like my buddy Joe, when I do and he does work with me, one time I had my toolbox, and he's like, hey, grab me a hammer, and, uh, and I brought him one of the hammers out of my toolbox, and he's a carpenter, and I brought it to him, and he goes, boy, what, will you bring me that little toy hammer for, I'm like, that's right, so we bring our little toy hammers, we bring our little, I called that a suburb saw, I'm like, you're gonna get a country saw here pretty soon, and, uh, and he has, but, um, but we bring that stuff, and we think that we're going to, and maybe for a little while those things are effective, but you will find your threshold. And so we have to, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with knowledge and skill and, and education and all of these things, strategy, all of these things, right? But it is, that is not the power on which we depend. And so let me just give you one more thing as we conclude today. Let me say something that hopefully frees you up more to fully step into mission. It's not meant to discourage you. It's not up to you. It's not up to you. Now, you have a part to play. You have a part to play, but it is ultimately not up to you. It's not your wisdom or argument that's going to convince anyone. It's not your inspiration or passion that will convict anyone. It's not your power that will ultimately compel anyone. It's not you that will change anyone. There is freedom in that. You get to participate You get to allow God to flow through you in a way that makes a real and lasting difference, and we must show up. But we must do it in the way that Romans 8.11 reminds us when it says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So may we go, may we show up, may we share the message of Christ, but may we not neglect the power of God through the Holy Spirit as we go. You will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's what's at stake. That's what's at stake here. And I can just tell you right now that the stakes are way too high for DIY. We have got to depend on him. Show up we must. Share we must. Proclaim we must. Go we must. But may he go before us. And that's what I'm going to ask that we just uh, pray together uh, and lean into. If you would stand with me, actually, as we close in prayer, and uh, we'll pray. And then we've got one more song we're going to sing out together. Father God, we thank you for just your goodness, just your constance in our life. God, we thank you for the displays of power that you have demonstrated to us and in us, God. And we ask, God, that that same power would flow through us. God, I pray that you would continue to convict us, etch those names on our heart of people, God, that you are desperately wanting to reunite with. And God, help us to have the freedom to know that, God, You care about those people far more than we do. We just need to step in and join you, God, in what you're trying to accomplish. And so help us to be obedient in that. Help us to pray consistently, God. Help us to wait for you to lead the way. And wait intently in prayer, God. Help us to live in step with your spirit. So Holy Spirit, I just pray, God, just would you allow us to submit to you? we submit to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you fill us as we go. And God, we just ask that